Today's lesson comes from Luke's gospel. Listen for what the Spirit is saying to the church. When Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given him. He enrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. Then he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Jesus said to them, doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, do here also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, truly, I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three and a half years, and there was a severe famine in all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha. And none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built so that they might hurl him off the cliff. Did you hear it? But he passed through their midst and went on his way. This, friends, believe it or not, is the gospel of the Lord. I'm delighted to be here today. I'm thankful to Tracy for this invitation. Delighted to be on the same podium as Diana, who is friend and mentor both. Delighted to be here to show to you that not all hymn writers are dead Englishmen. You know, in stanza four of that opening hymn, it starts, God the Unexpected Infant. I've had people come up to me uh, after worship when I'm in, in the church 
where it's being sung and somebody will say to me, Pastor, have, have you not read the prophet Isaiah? Wherein it is said that there'll be a child who comes. And I said, I have indeed read the prophet Isaiah. Have you read Luke chapter 2? Where Mary, upon hearing that she is to bear the Son of God, says, how can this be? So if that, if that was a question in your mind, that's the answer, okay? <laughs> I had Mary in mind. Well, I want you to help me prove that Google is wrong. Because when I went on uh, Google this morning to get directions to the church, <laughs> it had the name and address, phone number of the church, and it said, church now closed. <laughs> Anybody out there want to want to prove Google wrong today? Yeah. Let's do it. I've made just a slight alteration in the title of the sermon, just simply, when kids don't know their place. So there they all were, gathered on Sunday morning and seated in their usual places in a church somewhere in Austin. They'd already had time to catch up with each other at the coffee hour or passing each other in the parking lot. They'd asked each other about each other's children, grandchildren, complained a little about the latest decision of their homeowners association and, and passed on a little gossip. It wasn't a day different from most other Sundays, except that maybe one of their own, a young woman who had grown up in the church, had returned and the pastor had asked her to preach. It'll probably be like Youth Sunday, some of them said. She's so cute. They sang the opening hymn made their way through the unconscionably long parish announcements, prayed a unison prayer printed in the bulletin. Then this young woman stood up, went to the pulpit, opened the Bible to a lesson from the prophet Isaiah, and surveyed the crowd with her eyes. Didn't her mother chair the board about 10 years ago, one said loud enough for the people around her to hear? Thank God she didn't get tattoos, said someone else. <laughs> I wonder what cause she'll tell us to be a part of, said another, just as the young woman began to speak. Now, would you go with me now from that place in Austin, Texas, to the temple in Nazareth 2,000 years ago, okay? The young man Jesus opened the scroll which contained the writings of the prophet Isaiah. Those in the assembly continued with joy to look for the resemblance his eyes bore to his mother or the mannerisms of his father. And then he began to read, God's spirit is on me. God has chosen me to preach the message of good news to the poor sent me to announce pardon to prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind, to set the burdened and battered free, 
to announce this is God's year to act. You, you could have heard a pin drop. They were so proud. Maybe it was, maybe it was how he read those verses from the prophet Isaiah. Maybe it was because they remembered a time when he used to dart around between their legs and play games in their midst. And then in the midst of that quiet, proud moment, he said, you know, you know the me in God's spirit is on me? Today the me is not Isaiah. It's me. God's spirit is on me. Back to the church in Austin. And to announce this is God's year to act. She, she ended the lesson and paused after her reading. Well, said someone in row four, you know kids. They get these big ideas about saving the earth and prison reform and immigration reform. She'll get over it once she sees how things happen in the real world. And she'll realize that we have needs too. Back to Nazareth. Then to their surprise, after he had read the scripture, Jesus continued. Since you've probably heard, he said, about the things that I said and did in Capernaum, the last place I was, some of you may be saying, we raised you. What are you going to do for us? You did miracles there, so you should do bigger ones here. I'm, par I'm paraphrasing. <laughs> but that's what was going on. Jesus kept going. He said to them, no prophet is welcome uh, in his hometown. For example, do you remember that there were lots of widows who needed help simply surviving in the time of the prophet Elijah when there was a drought for three and a half years. Do you remember that? And, but the only, only widow to whom God sent Elijah was in Zarephath in Sidon? All of a sudden, those in the temple weren't looking for the resemblance between Jesus and his mother anymore. And the reason is that Zarephath and Sidon was filled with folks the people of Nazareth hated. And here was Jesus, the boy they raised, saying, do you remember that when your ancestors were in really desperate need, God sent Elijah to one of your enemies who was also in need? Do you remember that God did that? Now the people were shifting in their seats. Some were rolling their eyes. Others were, were really showing the first signs of rage. It's even possible that one of them said out loud, no politics in the pulpit. 
Jesus continued talking about the behavior of the prophets that had come before him. And he said, you remember, don't you, that there were lots of lepers in Israel when the prophet Elisha was alive, but the only leper he cleansed was Naaman the Syrian. You know, Jesus might have well have been wearing a t-shirt that says, God loves all the people that you hate. Now, but him saying that, that was the match that lit the fire. Scripture says that they physically threw him out of the temple. Are you seeing this? Lots of angry church people saying, Syria lover! And not only did they throw him out of the temple, they took him to a mountain in order to throw him over a cliff to his death. And then in the typical biblical lack of juicy detail, <laughs> it says, Jesus gave them a slip and got away. They were so mad they didn't even notice. Okay, let's review. Jesus went to the town in which he was raised, said that he was the very person the prophet Isaiah had been talking about, and because he was, he had to say that his work was to preach good news to the poor, pardon the prisoners, and set slaves free. By implication, he also said, it is not my work to come here and say that God loves you more than anyone else. It's not my work to endorse your sense of superiority. It is my work to say that what the prophet Isaiah announced is what I'm called to do. And not only that, it's what you are called to do. And the people who helped to raise him up were ready to kill him for saying that. Boy, do I wish I was preaching on some passage where Jesus was kind and meek. But that's not the one we're talking about this morning. So let's go back to the church in Austin. The young woman standing in the pulpit of that sanctuary in Austin had read the same passage from the prophet Isaiah and had pointed out the rage of those in the temple. And she then said to those who had helped raise her, it is not our work to put people in cages. It is not our work to turn a blind eye to the disparity of income in our country. It is not our work to say that God loves our country more than any other and has given us privileges that God does not give to any other nation. Those who do not speak and act to counteract the message of hate contained in chanting the words blood and soil must face the reality that silence 
gives consent. If that young woman had been raised here, what would happen next? 